the response that I always say is, who are you not? Well, you think these other people who are doing it are somehow super gifted and better? Like they may be, but you know what they, they did that you're not doing is they're doing it. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. Have you ever had an idea or something you really wanted to do? Maybe an interest or a hobby or a job you wanted to pursue? Something that made you excited and energized? You think about it and maybe you talk with friends about it. And then voices in your head start talking to you about it. Saying things like, no, you don't have this or that to make this happen. Or no one's going to be interested in what you have to say or sell. Or... You have to be an expert to write about or talk about this. And then you don't do anything and your energy fades and maybe you get frustrated or down because you feel stuck and you feel like you can't make anything happen. And if your idea or interest is an out for something you're currently doing that you're not very happy about, well, that makes this feeling even more of a downer. Welcome to the club. We all provide lodging for these voices, these inner critics that hold us back and drag us down. And sometimes we're not even aware they're up there, or there are so many of them that we can't keep track of them. And that's why this episode of The Chill Factory is so important, because it raises and teaches us how to raise our awareness of these voices so that we can push back on them and even evict them from our goals, our plans, our creative processes, our decision-making, our strategizing, etc. My guest is Denise Jacobs, whose inner critic once told her, you can't possibly do what you're doing today. Denise R. Jacobs is a speaker, author, and creativity evangelist who speaks at conferences and consults with companies worldwide. As the founder and CEO of Creative Dose, she promotes techniques to unlock creativity and help people become engaged contributors, synergistic collaborators, and authentic leaders. What do inner critics sound like, and why are they so loud sometimes? Sometimes it's like this little small persistent, nagging voice. Sometimes it's a really loud voice that kind of takes over everything. And I've even had some people say, well, oh, no, I have like a whole committee of people. It's like a Greek chorus <laughs> <laughs> that chirps in. And the problem is, is that it's so loud, it takes over everything. And it tells you all of the things that are wrong about yourself. Every mistake, every perceived wrongdoing or shortcoming and as you and probably everybody else listening knows that could be completely debilitating it can totally affect your confidence totally affect your behavior it affects your decision making it makes us act in fear or not act because we're afraid and you know how can you live like a satisfying and fulfilling life that way and it stresses you out. Dude, totally. Totally stresses you out. It's hard enough to be with live people who are <laughs> questioning what you do. And then, as you say, you have this chorus or committee or panel uh, of judges uh, in your own head. Yeah, that's really stressful. So I know it's different for everyone, but you've 
talked with a lot of people about inner critics and banishing them. Where, where do they come from? The inner critic is the psychological construct that is built to help, quote, save you or protect you from future hurts. So it's this kind of amalgamation of all of the negative things you've heard from people, and especially people who are like authorities in your life, parents, teachers, older siblings, peers even. And then, you know, it's not just limited to that, but it's also stuff that you hear from a larger societal context. So if you say are part of a group of people who are typically disenfranchised, like all of the negative messages that you hear about those groups from everywhere around you, you're going to take those and you're going to internalize all of those things. And so those things get internalized, creates this inner critic, and then the inner critic's like, great, I got it from here. <laughs> Y'all don't even need to like weigh in anymore. I'll take it. I'll mm. take it from here and I'll try to protect this, this mm. child and this young adult and then this adult. The problem is, is that uh, once it's gotten all that information to work with, it does its job a bit too well. Pops up at the times that we need it the least, affects our thinking, stresses us out, kind of this low, constant low-level stress that's all, always there, can contribute to anxiety, worrying about the future, or depression, worrying about the past. As a friend of mine says, it's bad news bears. Bad news bears. And you made me think that for people who don't have real life counterbalances Mm. to our internal critics, that can make this even worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's some people who don't even realize that the inner critic is a thing. And they, you know, they're so used to hearing those voices that they think it's themselves. They think that that's just my brain and that's just what my brain is doing. And I'm like, yeah, it's what your brain is doing based on other things that other people have said. You know, babies don't have inner critics. Babies are just there, just hanging out, doing their thing. They don't sit there and think about, oh my God, I can't believe I started crying at that point in time. I mean, I was hungry, but I mean, I shouldn't, you know, have bothered everybody and now I'm a nuisance <laughs> and what am I going to do and nobody's going to let me know. Babies don't have that inner dialogue. We learn that over time. That's really, really powerful. One of the problems and one of the things that I like to try to help people uh, get in touch with and start to reverse is to realize that this, none of this stuff came from you. None of this came from, you know, like is intrinsic to yourself. This was, this is all learned behavior. This is all learned ways of thinking. And therefore there are ways of thinking that can be altered and shifted and changed to something else. Denise, how did you come to focus on inner critics? Because I struggled with a really strong inner critic. <laughs> that's 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 why I'm doing this work because I get it. I struggled mightily with stress. So that's why I'm here 
doing my thing. We often end up doing what we need, right? Well, there's a, a woman whose name is Suzanne Evans who uh, does a lot of stuff, used to do at least a lot of stuff around marketing. And one of the things that she said, which I think was a great way to sum it up, is let your mess be your message. Hmm, love it. You made me think, it's often when we go to do something creative or something outside of our usual routine, our usual activities. If you're a student, it could be going to write that term paper or if you need to make a presentation but you're not someone who generally does public speaking on camera or in person. That's a bigger step. And then all of a sudden, that committee, as you talked about it before, they come rushing in. It seems like it's those types of endeavors that cause these inner critics to really jump up and down, no? Right. And actually, one of the things that I, I neglected to say earlier when you're like, well, where does the inner critic come from? I think the first place actually before even having those negative the negative input from other people is that we have fears about ourselves we have fears that we're not good enough somehow or that we are lacking somehow or that we're not good at public speaking or we're not good at writing or that we're going to be a disappointment or let somebody down or whatever and then when we get any kind of criticism that validates that fear, then we take it to heart. Okay, that's true about me. So whenever it is that we're going to step out of our comfort zones or we're going to do something that seems beyond what we're capable of, those fears get triggered and then that input that we've got that supports those fears get triggered right along with it. And is imposter syndrome the same as inner criticism or are they cousins or they're different? I like to think of imposter syndrome as a subset or a type of inner critic. So in my book, Banish Your Inner Critic, I talk about different manifestations of the inner critic, high self-criticism, fear of being judged, comparing yourself to other people, that sort of thing. And imposter syndrome, I think, is another form, just like those are, is another form of the inner critic, another way that the inner critic shows up. Who am I to be painting or writing a book or giving a speech about this? The response that I always say is, who are you not? Well, you think these other people who are doing it are somehow super gifted and better? Like, they may be. But you know what they, they did that you're not doing is they're doing it or they're, they're trying or they're like, you know, making an effort. Or they're learning. Mm-hmm. Or all of the above, right? All of the above. I read in one of your blog posts or saw on one of your videos, you talked about the imposter syndrome paradox. Mm. And it was so powerful. Will you talk about it for a minute? Absolutely. So before I actually talk about the post imposter syndrome paradox, the thing that I came across a couple of years ago um, in the midst of the pandemic, I came across some really powerful tweets that I think may also help anybody who is struggling with imposter syndrome. 
And that is, and again, particularly if you're in a disenfranchised group. So if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, however you show up, that there is going to be a really good chance that you have imposter syndrome and there's a really good chance that you have imposter syndrome because people treated you like an imposter your entire career. Mm. And as a black woman, I can tell you that that is absolutely true. People's low expectations, people expecting you to fail, people expecting you to be substandard can trick you into thinking, oh, I am those things instead of being like, wait a minute, this is just, this was somebody else projecting on me. This was not, this isn't me. The quote was, maybe you're not an imposter. Maybe you've been treated like one your entire career. And I just want people to take that in and potentially look at that and say, oh, snap, that actually has been my whole career. Number one. Number two, the imposter syndrome paradox, you can pair that or you can, you know, take that and like up the ante with the imposter syndrome paradox, which is you only feel imposter syndrome when you're competent and skilled. In other words, imposters don't get imposter syndrome. It's only the people who are competent and skilled who experience imposter syndrome. And I have to tell you that that particular truism has gotten me through so many different situations. As soon as I start feeling that like, oh my God, I, can I, can I, should I, I can't believe, oh my gosh, then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. The only reason I'm feeling like this is because I'm awesome sauce and they wouldn't have come to me and asked me to do this if this wasn't something that I'm really already good at and I'm competent and skilled at. And I'm telling you, anytime you have that moment, take that imposter syndrome paradox and flip it onto yourself and see, see how that helps change how you feel and how you perceive the situation. We've talked about inner critics, about imposter syndrome, all of the challenges and stress they cause us. You've given some great advice so far. What are some of the key ways or other key ways that we can quiet or banish our inner critics? The first step is realizing, again, that your inner critic is the product of years of thinking a certain way and repeating certain messages and certain beliefs to yourself. And they only get strengthened by that. So first of all, recognize that this is a behavior, like a thinking behavior pattern, and you work to start trying to change the thinking to something different, that is a really huge first step. And to also realize that your brain can do that. I think the second thing is to realize then that in doing that, putting your focus and your attention on different messages that are supportive messages as opposed to ones that tear you down is going to be huge. So instead of telling yourself, I'm just really not good with, you know, like I'm going to bomb this presentation and say like, what if I do really well? What if what I'm going to go and I'm going to share as much as I can and try to relay my enthusiasm for the subject 
and, and we'll see what happens. Instead of like, it's going to be awful. You are awful at speaking to people. You can't do this. But you know what? Let's let's just see. It might be different. You know, I'm going to I'm going to come in differently this time and, and see what changes. And then I think the other thing, too, is to realize that when you are in the midst of having your inner critic be really loud and really vociferous, that it's basically almost like you're harming yourself. And so you need kind of this kind of bigger part of yourself. You need to kind of practice mindfulness and realize that you have this part of yourself that's kind of standing back and observing your thoughts and your behaviors and everything and have that part kind of step in and be kind to yourself and say, okay, I understand that this is really hard. I understand that, you know, you're in the midst of saying all these really horrible things to yourself. And I'm sorry, this is really, this is really hard. How about if we do something else? And that is actually practicing self-compassion. And self-compassion is a really, really powerful tool, is very transformative. And, you know, just the, the, the power of like stopping and recognizing, choosing other thoughts and being self-compassionate can go a huge way towards silencing the inner critic. Instead of being super self-critical and being like, I can't believe you did this and can't believe you did that. How would you speak to a child? How would you speak to a child who was being bullied, who was feeling attacked, was feeling like nobody loved them? How would you talk to that child and realize that when your inner critics are really active, that's essentially what's happening, right? That you're going back, that these, these people are actually going back and talking to this young part of yourself that has no way to defend themselves. So to go back and to come to your own defense and to be kind of a champion for that younger part of yourself that doesn't know how to defend itself against these critical voices. Denise Jacobs, speaker, trainer, coach, author of Banish Your Inner Critic. Thanks so much for coming by The Chill Factory. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Denise has a lot of great videos and other resources, and we'll list and link to some of them in the episode notes. During the interview, Denise suggested changing your mindset. So when your inner critic says, you can't do that, asking yourself, why can't I do that? Or saying, yes, I can do that. I have a fun technique that really pushes this idea. It took hold back in the 1970s when Olympic athletes used it to improve their performances. And it's still used by athletes and many others today. It's called rehearsal imagery, and it has us imagine in as much detail as possible a future endeavor. It could be running a marathon or running around the block. It could be speaking or singing in front of a large audience. It could be writing that book or being on a job interview. Let's try it for a minute. Pick something that you'd like to do or maybe something you need to do, especially if it's something that stresses you or that you have apprehensions about. Got it? Okay. Close your eyes if you can and imagine yourself in this situation. And let's start with the space. Are you inside? Are you outside? 
Are you in a room or if the space is outside? What is it like? What does it feel like? What does it look like? What does it smell like? Are you by yourself or are there other people around? Is it a few people or maybe it's a large audience? Whoever is there, picture them in as much detail as possible. What they look like, what they're wearing, what they sound like. And how do you look? What are you wearing? How are you feeling as you're standing there or sitting there or maybe moving around? Now imagine yourself doing whatever it is that you're doing. Maybe it's talking with others, maybe it's creating something, maybe it's making a speech or performing in some way, athletically or otherwise. Picture the response of those who are with you. Maybe they're cheering, or they're congratulating you, or they're smiling, or laughing, or joining in on whatever activity you're doing. And think about how you feel as you complete this endeavor. Maybe you feel incredible because you've accomplished something, and those with you are very satisfied. They're very pleased with what you've done. This rehearsal imagery technique could be classified as stress prevention because the unknown and surprises are fuel for the stress response. So when we imagine something, even if it's not actually happening, we chip away at the unknown and therefore we're less stressed, less anxious, less distracted when we're trying to accomplish something. Now, you can go even further with rehearsal imagery by looking at photos of a space you'll be doing something in or even visiting that space to completely do away with the unknown. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. There's more information and resources at thechillfactory.net. And you can also leave us a question or voicemail there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. And if there's something you've heard here on The Chill Factory that you think will help someone in your life, we'd love it if you shared an episode or the podcast with them. And subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And as Theodore Roosevelt said, believe you can and you're halfway there.